My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm coming to you from my Moscow TV set. And today I'm going to show you this spear. You say, what is that spear all about? Well, I'm going to tell you. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul describes the whole armor of God. Every Roman soldier carried seven pieces of weaponry. Six of them are very identifiable in Ephesians chapter 6, but it seems that one piece is missing. There's no mention of the spear. So someone might say, where is the spear? It's there. The whole armor of God is in that chapter, and the spear is in verse 18, where Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. The Greek literally says, pray always with all kinds of prayer. What did Paul have in his mind? The Roman soldier had a pouch on the backside of his armor, and in that pouch, there were different kinds of spears or lances. Some of them were short, some of them were longer, but he had one that looked something like this. It was a spear that he used to attack the enemy from a distance. If he knew how to use his spear, he could hurl it at the enemy from a distance and deal with the enemy from a distance so the enemy would never get close. I call this our spear of influence. Our spear of influence. Now, what's fascinating to me is that the Roman soldier had different kinds of spears. He had shorter spears. He had mid-range spears. He had a spear like this. He even had one spear that, if it was fully assembled, was about 24 feet long. You say, how could you have a spear that is 24 feet long? It's like some men who fish with a very long fishing pole that they have to assemble. That long, long spear had to be assembled on the spot but there were different spears for different events and different circumstances. In the same way, Paul says, praying always with all prayer. The Greek literally says with all kinds of prayer. One prayer does not fit all. There's all kinds of prayers. But God has given them all to us. And if we know how to use prayer effectively, we can deal with the devil from a distance so he never gets close. You can deal with the devil from a distance, my friend. I call prayer our spear of influence. And I want to tell you that if you need somebody to pray with you and to hit the enemy from a distance and to stop his advance, call us, contact us. We'll pray with you. We will use prayer as a spear of influence to make sure that spiritual assault stops. But when I come in this studio and I see this spear, I think about the great ability God has given to us to stop the enemy and to pray with one another so that we can stop every assault in people's lives. And that's why this replica of a Roman spear is in my TV set. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to the program today. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm here with Joel Renner. And this week, we are answering questions that you have sent to me. And I want to say thank you for your questions. But before we get into the questions, I want to tell you that we're offering you the brand new series called More Questions and Answers with Rick Renner. To be correct, it should say with Rick and Joel Renner. But it's five parts, and we cover so many questions in this series. You will just devour it, and it comes with a study guide. So be sure to order these today. And Joel, what do you have in your hand? I have 
our autobiography called Unlikely. Here it is, my friends. Look at it. Isn't it just beautiful? Mom and Dad are right on a red square. My friends, anybody can be used by God. If my parents were used by God, anybody can be used by God. And I think that's very encouraging. You can get this at a great discount at printer.org. You know, it's amazing, but for years, we literally, Joel, hold that picture up. We literally lived across the street from that view. For years, we lived across the street from Red Square. If we walked out the front door of our house, we could be on Red Square in about two minutes. In fact, one time Paul McCartney came to Moscow and held a big concert right on Red Square. We didn't even have to buy a ticket. All we had to do was lean out our balcony and enjoy the whole event. That's how close we lived to Red Square. My friends, that is very unlikely. And here we are. 30 years later, doing what God called us to do, still here, and thankful for every partner who has helped us to do this work. It takes a lot of money to broadcast the teaching of the Bible all over the world and to start churches and to do all the things we've done to help people that are in need. And when you become a partner with our ministry, you literally partner with us to make a difference in somebody else's life. And Joel, it's amazing to me that because of technology, it's never been easier to change somebody's life. You don't even have to get out of your chair. You can just go online, hit a button, pick up the phone, make a call, make a contribution, and you've changed somebody's life. You can be a missionary right from where you are. And guess what? We all have a God-given responsibility to do something to make a difference in somebody else's life. And if you're a partner, I want to say thank you. And by the way, we're building our new studio because of your gifts. Thank you for all of your gifts. And if you want to become a partner today, you can do that by going online or you can give us a call. And the moment you do, we're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone, which is dedicated to partners. And we're going to send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. We always send these two books to anyone who becomes a part of our partner family. And please remember that if you need prayer, we're waiting for the phone to ring right now. I really mean that. Ring it right now or send us your email. And the moment your email shows up in our inbox, our team and Denise and I, we're going to be able to really pray for you, for God to move in your life according to Jeremiah 33, 3, which says, call unto me and I will move. I will show you great and mighty things. We'll call out in faith with you and God really will do great things in your life. Amen. But today, Joel, we're going to answer faith and doctrinal questions. You're going to read the questions, and I'm going to answer, and we've already looked at the questions, so we're prepared. So, Mr. Brenner, let's begin. How do you go from believing to receiving the promises of God? Well, that is a very good question. I've got my Bible. I hope you have yours. We always use the Bible in this program. And I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. And the question is, how do you go from believing to receiving the promises of God. And I've got a whole series on this called The Stage of Faith, which you can order at renner.org. But in Hebrews 6, verse 12, the writer of Hebrews says, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. You don't inherit the promises of God just through faith. Faith is an initiator. And in fact, when you understand the word faith in Greek, Usually it's used in a masculine way. It is an initiator. It's always acting. Faith is always moving forward. But the word patience is feminine. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. And just like it takes a man and a woman to produce a child, it takes faith and patience to give birth to the promises of God. And when you read Hebrews 10 verse 36, it says, For you have need of patience 
that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. That verse guarantees you're going to receive the promise, but you have need of patience. And Joel, the word patience here is one of my favorite words in the Greek New Testament, hupomene. You've heard it many, many times. It really describes hang in there power. It describes one who refuses to bend. He refuses to break. He's not going to yield his promise or his territory. He has made the decision. He's going to hang in there. Another expositor has called this one who has lasting power. You have to hang on really is what it means. And after you've done the will of God, well, what is the will of God? Standing in faith, standing on the promise, refusing to surrender. After you've done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. And Joel, the word receive here describes payday, which means payday will come to anybody who stands in faith. But it's not just believing It's also patience, faith and patience. We have the feminine aspect, the male aspect. Just like it takes a man and a woman to produce a child, it takes faith coupled together with patience to give birth to the promises of God in our life. So if it's taken a while, don't be discouraged. Stay in faith. Keep sowing into patience and you will produce the promise of God in your life. Next question. Please explain the scripture from Hebrew chapter 12 that says, we are compassed with a great cloud of witnesses. Well, I covered that in my series. It's a 10-part series called God's Hall of Faith. But in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we have this remarkable verse that says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The key to that verse is the word cloud. Many people think it means clouds, like the clouds that you see in the sky. That is not what this refers to. The word cloud that is used here was the word which was used to describe the highest seats in the stadium or in a coliseum. Mm. If you came into a coliseum or into a stadium, you could buy seats down on a low level, which is closer to where the game was being played. But... If they sold all those seats, they kept filling them higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And if you bought the last seats available, they would give you seats in the clouds. That's what they were called. So you could come to the cashier and say, I'd like to buy a seat in the clouds. That's the word that is used here. And by using this word, the writer of Hebrews says, hey, it's your turn to play the game. Now you're on the playing field and surrounding you are clouds of witnesses, people who've lived before you. They also got a word from God. They also faced the impossible, overcame the impossible, and received by faith what they were believing for. And if you look up, the stadium is filled all the way to the top with people like you who've gone before you, already lived their life of faith, already received, already had their victory. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, some people ask, does this mean that people in heaven can actually see what we're doing? I don't believe that's the purpose of the verse. The verse is just telling us that if you look, you're surrounded by numbers, vast numbers of people before you who did what you're doing. They did it well. They had a victory. And if they did it, you can do it too. And in fact, The chapter before that is Hebrews chapter 11, which is filled with witnesses who received a word from God and stayed in faith and received from the Lord. Now, when you come to Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, look around you. Look at all these witnesses, people just like you. And they did it. We're surrounded 
by a great cloud of witnesses. But Joel, it means if we're surrounded by people sitting in the very top of the bleachers and the very top of the stadium, it means that we are in the playing field. We're in the middle of the arena. This is our moment to play the game. So let's play it well. That's right. Did Jesus really take our sicknesses and diseases when he died on the cross? This question is very, very important, and I cover it in my series called The Miracles of Jesus Christ, which is a 15-part series. It's enormous, and we go through many, many miracles of Jesus in the New Testament. But I want to refer you to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, which says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That word grief and sorrow refers to physical ailments and physical pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Then Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Well, I grew up in a particular denomination where they said, well, this is just spiritual healing. But to be honest, there's no such thing as spiritual healing. When you get saved, you're not spiritually healed. You were spiritually dead. You are recreated. It is a resurrection. It is not a healing. When the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed, it means by his stripes we are physically healed. Those were the griefs and the sorrows that he was carrying on our behalf. And when you come to the Gospels, the Gospels clarify this is exactly what it's talking about. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, it says, And when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. When the Bible says they brought unto him, it is a Greek word which means to physically carry. These were people so sick, they couldn't get to the meeting by themselves. Somebody had to physically bring them up and bring them to Jesus. And the Bible says many of them were possessed with devils, which is a bad translation. The Greek actually says many that were demonized. And he cast out the spirits with his word. Cast out is the Greek word ekbalo. It means to evict. Jesus evicted those spirits from those people, and he did it with a word, which means this was not difficult for Jesus to do. And healed all that were sick. And Joel, the word healed here, the Greek word therapeo, it's where we get the word therapy. Mm. Well, if you go to a therapist, what happens? He tells you to use your arm. He requires you to do something. If you don't cooperate with a therapist, you're not going to get better. And when the Bible uses this word therapeo, it means when Jesus healed people, he asked them to do something. He asked them to release their faith. We see this many times when Jesus told someone with a withered hand to stretch forth their hand. They had to do something to cooperate. Or Jesus said to a man laying on a bed, get up, get up, pick up your bed. They had to cooperate. And as they cooperated with Jesus' healing power, they were healed. But then you come to verse 17. And it says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. That is an affirmation that Isaiah 53, 5, which says by his stripes, we are healed is not about spiritual healing. It is about being delivered from demons, being delivered from physical ailments. My friends, healing is in the work of the cross and you can claim it. It belongs to you. Jesus paid for it on the cross. Amen. Amen. Next. In Luke chapter 16, verse 9, Jesus said, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. So when it fails, 
they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Well, what does I, this mean? I deal with this in my book called A Life Ablaze. If you don't have A Life Ablaze, you need to get that book. But this is an amazing verse, and I want to read it to you from the King James Version. And I say unto you, make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. Well, what is mammon? It's just money. It's cash. Make friends with cash that when ye fail, that's what the King James Version says, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. And here's a great verse for partners or for anybody who gives. When you use your money for the preaching of the gospel, you make friends. Who are those friends? People that repent because you gave. People who came to Christ because of the gift that you gave. And when you die, guess what? They are going to receive you into everlasting habitations. They're going to be waiting in heaven for you. They are in heaven because you gave. Your giving will go on for all of eternity. It is amazing. Okay, next verse. Can you please address the teachings on generational curses? It, sounds, it seems some people don't understand redemption and claim as a child of God, there can be generational curses still on you. I can't find this anywhere in the Bible. Well, I don't believe the generational curses come on Christians. I just don't believe it. And I did a whole series on this called Resting in Our Redemption. When you really understand redemption, you can rest. Jesus broke every curse. Jesus broke every chain. Jesus did a fabulous, fabulous work. And in Ephesians 1, verse 17, it says, In whom we have the redemption through his blood. That word redemption is the Greek word for buying a slave out of slavery. And it means that when Jesus came into our life and his blood was applied to us, it broke all forms of bondage in our life. And when you read Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, it says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. Don't minimize your salvation. My friends, you're free. Jesus paid the price for your redemption and you can rest in your redemption. Your salvation is not a small redemption. It is a great salvation. Embrace it and learn how to release it in your life. But no, my friends, I don't believe generational curses come to believers. I just don't believe it. The blood of Jesus was so powerful, it broke every curse. It broke every chain. Joel. That's right. Can young children really be saved and baptized? Can they really understand their need for Jesus? Well, this is an important question. But Joel, I got saved when I was five years old, and I had been under conviction for one year when I got saved. I remember the day I came under conviction. A man came to our church and preached a message on hell. That message was so vivid that it just went inside me. And I understood that if I died in my sin at the age of four, I understood I would go to hell. Somebody might say, well, can you really come to Jesus at such a young age? Well, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 14. Jesus said, suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. And in Romans 10, verse 9, there's nothing stated about the age you have to be to be saved. You just have to understand what you're doing and you have to release your faith and repent. And in Romans 10, verse 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, it doesn't say you have to be 10 or 15 or 20. It just says if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe, so you have to have the ability to believe, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
And we find here two parts are required in salvation. Number one, you have to believe with the heart. You believe under righteousness, but with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. It's not enough to think it. You have to confess it. And the moment you confess it, the gift of salvation explodes on the inside of you. I was saved when I was five years old. I'd been under conviction for a whole year. I remember the Sunday I got saved. They began to play the altar call and I slipped out from my altar, walked down from the, to the front of the church, took the pastor by the hand. His name was Brother Post. He said, Ricky, why are you here? And I said, Brother Post, I'm here to give my heart to Jesus. Yes, children can be saved. I am an example. And Denise was saved when she was seven. Next, I have a question regarding extra biblical books, such as the book of Enoch. Are these authentic? and to be taken seriously? Well, that's a very relevant question. A lot of people are asking that question today, especially about the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch is a historical book, but it is not a biblical book. There's a lot of history in it. Jesus quoted the book of Enoch. We know that the apostle Paul quoted the book of Enoch. Even Jude quoted the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch seems to be quoted in the book of Revelation, but it is not a biblical book. And Joel, there are a lot of books that were written in the 2nd, the 3rd, and the 4th century, which were just false books. They were just false. They were called pseudo-epistles, and you can't put any stock in them. In fact, that's what the Apostle Paul is referring to in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, where he says, Neither give heed to endless genealogies, myths, myths. People really become obsessed with these things. But let me tell you, friends, you have the Bible right here. It's enough. Don't worry about all those extra biblical books. Stick with the Bible. If you can do the Bible, you're doing something magnificent. Many of those things are just a diversion. But we're out of time. I'll be back in just a moment, and we are going to pray for you. We all have questions that we'd like to have answers for, but they often go unanswered. Do you have questions about the Bible that you wish someone would answer for you? In this five-part series, Questions and Answers with Rick Renner, Rick addresses many difficult and challenging questions that have been sent to him over the years. This series doesn't dodge a single issue, but dives headlong into every question asked. Rick says, there are a lot of things I don't know, but to the best of my ability, I have tackled some challenging questions in this series. You'll be amazed at the discoveries you're about to make with Rick in this exciting series. If your heart yearns to find answers to some of your more difficult Bible questions, then this is the series for you. Don't delay ordering your copy today because you'll discover treasures in this series that you've been seeking for a long time. And this week, take advantage of our two-week cyber sale. We're offering a 25% discount on all our resources. That's right, 25% off everything at our renner.org store. Go to renner.org right now and save on all your favorite teachings by Rick and Denise. Now is the time to order the products you've been waiting for. Go to renner.org today and save big on books, CDs, study guides, and more. Don't miss out on this special offer. And order the teaching series, Questions and Answers, with Rick Renner today. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. This is Rick Renner, and I'm here on the side of our new studio with Mr. Joel Renner. It is so good to be with you. Joel, it was exciting what happened here yesterday. It really is. They poured so much concrete. They poured this entire slab yesterday from morning to evening, and on this slab, 
Joel, we're going to begin constructing our new studio. In fact, the walls are going to go up in just a few weeks. And we're able to do it because of our giving team that's giving of their finances to help us do that. And right from this place, we're going to produce teaching that people can trust and send it all over the world in the English language and the Russian language. And it's just so exciting. And what's totally amazing to me, Joel, is that at the same time that we're doing this here, we are purchasing a new building in Tulsa. And Joel, just this morning, I was reading in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 11, where God promised, I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build that will be fully supplied when you get them. And the new building that we're getting in Tulsa, it is fully furnished. It's amazing. It is everything we would ever need. And we didn't have to lift a finger. We just have to walk in and take possession of it. And believe. And believe. We need to pay for it. And that's why we want to say thank you to you, Giving Team, because you really are making a difference. And here in Moscow and in Tulsa and around the world, our ministry is literally bursting at the seams. People reaching out to us, calling us, writing to us, asking us for materials. If you saw our office in Tulsa, you would be amazed because materials are lining the hallways. We're using metal containers on the back of the property because we don't have room for more materials in the building. We're literally bursting at the seams because God is giving increase. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, one plants, another waters, but God is the one who gives the increase. And I want to say thank you for your planting, thank you for your giving, and thank you to God because God is ultimately the one who gives the increase. That if you're not already a part of our giving team, would you please pray about becoming part of the giving team to help us finish constructing this studio and purchasing the building in Tulsa? We'll be so thankful. And together as partners, we're going to reach people with teaching they can trust. It's amazing that right from where each of us are, we can make a difference in someone else's life. So thank you in advance for being a part of this wonderful ministry expansion project. I am so glad you've been with me and Joel today as we've been answering some of the questions that you have sent to me at our ministry in Tulsa. And if you have more questions, please send them. And one of these days, we'll get around to answering your questions. We can't answer them all, but this week, every day, Joel and I are dealing with the questions that you have sent to us. And I want you to order the whole series, which is called More Questions and Answers with Rick Renner. And it comes with a study guide. The two of these together are just great. And if you've enjoyed the questions that we've covered today, this series is loaded with more questions. And right now, we also want you to order our brand new autobiography, which is called Unlikely, Our Faith-Filled Journey to the Ends of the Earth. And this is not just our story. Joel, this is filled with teaching. There's so much teaching in this book. Wow, you will devour it and it will feed your faith and encourage you to launch out into your own unlikely journey of faith. God has something so wonderful for you to do. And you might be saying, well, but I'm just so unlikely. Then you're the one that he wants to use because God delights in choosing unlikely people because when he does something through them, guess what? He gets all the glory. Amen. But I want to pray for you right now with Joel. Father, we thank you so much for every viewer. 
We thank you for every friend, every partner. We thank you that where the word of a king is, there is power. And we pray that the word of God will release its power in our lives today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Be sure to give us a call so we'll know how to pray for you or send us your email. And the moment it shows up in the inbox, we're going to begin to release our faith for God to move mightily in your life. And remember, Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power. Thank you for joining Rick Renner today. For more information about Rick Renner Ministries and product resources, visit renner.org and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.